0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We've reached the climax of our series called Raised with Christ. We're using a passage from Ephesians chapter one, where Paul uses the example of Jesus being dead and buried and then raised to life and ascended to heaven and seated in heaven in authority. He uses that example. And in Ephesians 2, verse 1, he says, And you, you were also dead, and God raised you with Christ. And then in verse 6 of Ephesians 2, he says, And we are seated with him in heavenly places. Now, that sounds all religious and nice and interesting and theological, but there is a practical application. And we've gone through dying with Christ, being buried, being raised, being in authority with Christ. And today we're talking about the coronation, which was the final act where Jesus was crowned as king and all of his people, his whole body, his family of believers were crowned as well. Now, if you live in the UK or anywhere else in the world, you may know that this week, King Charles was crowned as king. Now, it's pretty much a symbolic ceremony for him because he was acting as king beforehand and he'll continue to act as king. There wasn't that much that changed because of his coronation, other than the fact that he is now allowed to wear the crown. But as far as practical day-to-day life, not a lot has changed. Also, the big difference between his coronation and Jesus' coronation is this. And I really hope you get this because it's exciting. It changes your life. This is the big difference. An earthly king's coronation is only him or her getting crowned. And all of us, the rabble, if you like, the general population watching in awe and from a distance and thinking, wow, I could never participate in that. I could never enjoy that. I could never experience anything like that. That's an earthly kingdom. But Jesus's coronation was so different because it wasn't just him. It was his whole body. And so in this passage in Ephesians 1 and 2, where Paul is comparing Jesus's death and ascension to us being dead in sin and rising with him, he says that he was given Authority over all things. He's seated in heaven with all things under his feet, and then it says to the church in verse 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, unlike an earthly coronation where we are seated in the spectator seats, In this coronation we are seated on that throne, that seat that the king is sat on when he's being crowned or anointed. We are sat there with him and we are part of him and as he is crowned, we are crowned. As he is anointed, and I'm going to explain that word in a moment, we are anointed. So why do I use the word anointed? In the Old Testament, it comes from the Old Testament and you may have noticed if you watched the king's coronation on TV, that they use a lot of Old Testament imagery. They sing the song of Zadok, the priest who was the priest who installed Solomon as king. They anoint just like Solomon was anointed. They they invoke a lot of Old Testament imagery as if to say modern kings are similar to Old Testament kings. I'm not exactly sure why they do that. But uh, you may have noticed that they use this word anoint. And in the Old Testament, people were anointed. That word anoint simply means to put oil on. Oint is where we get ointment from uh, or oil and anoint. So in Exodus 29, they give instructions on how to anoint priests. They say you should pour this special oil that was mostly olive oil, but it had a few different spices in it and it was holy, sacred oil. They said you must pour it over his head. And then he is anointed as priest. Now, the action of pouring oil was supposed to be just a symbol of what was actually happening, which was the Holy Spirit was coming upon the priest. We know that Elijah was told to anoint Elisha as prophet and in Psalms, it says, don't touch my anointed prophets. So prophets were also anointed. Whether they had oil poured, I don't know, but they were definitely anointed with the Holy Spirit or, or uh, they had the Holy Spirit poured upon them. And then kings, this was the main one. King David, King Saul, and all the kings after that had oil poured on them. Let me just read you what happened when King Saul was anointed. 1 Samuel. Chapter 10, it says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, uh, Saul's head, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day when they came there to the hill there was a group of prophets to meet him then the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them and this is a pattern for all the anointings in the old testament but notice it's just a few people prophets priests kings and maybe a few others in numbers 11 there were 70 elders who were anointed with the holy spirit from Moses's prayer Uh, there's, there's a few others. Bezalel is anointed to be able to do crafts work. So there were different people who had the Holy Spirit, but it was a very tiny percentage. A bit like us, millions of us watching King Charles getting crowned. That's what it was like in the Old Testament. The crowds watched the few special ones being anointed. And as oil was poured, when Samuel went to anoint David as king. David was a young teenager. He was called in from the fields where he was looking after the sheep. And he was the last son of Jesse. And God said, that's the one. And so Samuel rose up and poured oil on him and anointed him. And it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day onward. So anointing is an outward sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Poured on the head, running down on the body. Psalm 133. (laughs) Let me just read that to you. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Us brethren, the body, the, the population, not the special royal one for us, the brethren, to dwell together in unity. It is like, listen to this, precious oil upon the head. Think of the anointing oil being poured on the head of the king running down on the beard. Okay, get that? The beard of Aaron, the priest, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the Jew of Hermon, which is a massive mountain, descending upon the mountains of Zion, which is a little mountain. It's like all that Jew just drenches the whole mountain. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. It says, when we get together, God's plan is not for the anointing just to be on the priest, but to run down on his whole body to the hem of his garments. That's the edge of his garments. And this is what I want us to get today, my friends. And it's exciting and it should change your life. This is not just a show we watch from a distance and say, oh, wow, beautiful. What a lovely coronation. No, no, we are on that chair getting anointed and it's changing people's lives. It started 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, and it's been going on ever since then. There have been times in church history where very few people partook of this power that God has given us, but it was revived recently. In the early 1900s, the Spirit and the, the gifts of the Spirit were revived, and more and more Christians started participating, and it's just been getting stronger and stronger. So much so that Christians who believe in this, this anointing, and this power of the Holy Spirit are becoming by far the fastest growing group of any kind of religious belief in the whole planet. So let me read this coronation of Jesus and show you how it applies to us. I've got quite a few scriptures, so stick with me. Acts 1 verse 4, And being assembled together with them, He, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So this is the first scene. If you like, we're looking at the scenes of a coronation. And this is the prelude where Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, he gathers together with them, assembled together. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not try and do this great commission that you know I want you to do. Do not try and do anything for me until you have received the promise of the Father. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, John put you under water, but the Holy Spirit is going to come all over you. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. So it's going to cause them to be able to go out and do the Great Commission. Don't leave. You need this. And then 10 days they waited in the upper room. Jesus then ascended to heaven. They saw him go in the clouds. Amazing. And then 10 days they waited. And we're told in Acts chapter 1 and 2 that they were in an upper room, 120 of them just praying. Uh, They were still a bit timid and and fearful uh, of the authorities because the Roman authorities that had crucified Jesus still wanted to punish his followers. And so they were nervous and scared. And then chapter 2 verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Pentecost means 50. It was 50 days after Jesus's death uh, is Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Behold, how good when brethren dwell together in unity. They were together praying, worshipping. Acts 1.14 says they were all worshipping along with Mary, Jesus's mother and his family members. And there were 120 of them worshipping and in unity and love. That is the context for a coronation. It's not just the King, Jesus. We are part of the King. We get crowned and anointed with Him. I just so hope you get this today. Verse 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can you imagine the scene? We're worshiping, we're focused on Jesus, we're loving Him, and we're in unity with each other. Suddenly they hear a sound, they see little flames of fire that come upon every single one of them, and that's quite significant because it's All 120. It's not just the 12 important apostles. It's not just Peter, the main guy. It's not just the important ones. All of them, even the unknown, unnamed ones, are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they start to speak in other languages. Verse five says, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So the commotion was so great. It wasn't just a tiny little quiet prayer meeting. It caused such a stir that people outside the room heard about it. Now, I don't know how that happened. I'm not sure if it was the supernatural sound of the wind or whether they started shouting out in praise and in other languages or whether they spilled out onto the streets and started rejoicing but whatever it was something big and significant happened and it caused such a stir that people were all around there were people from all over the world there the bible says uh, gathered for this feast and all of them had different languages that they spoke and they heard these people speaking in all of those different languages and praising God. And they thought they were perhaps drunk because they were stumbling around, shouting, laughing, speaking weird. They thought, wow, what's going on? They are intoxicated. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Now, this is boldness from Peter who had been timid before. At the end of the Gospel of John, Peter is so timid and defeated that he says, I'm going back to fishing, I'm giving up ministry. And Jesus has to, has to restore him and say, feed my lambs. And Peter has been racked with guilt for denying Jesus. He's been in the upper room praying, but suddenly something has changed. He's bold. You see, that's what happens. We become kings and priests, the Bible says. We get a boldness of a lion when we get filled with this anointing, this coronation, this Holy Spirit. He says, these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. So they had an early prayer meeting, 9 a.m. it happened. Uh, Verse 16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So now he gives them an explanation of what's just happened. And he uses an Old Testament Passage from Joel that prophesied this would happen. He says, Joel said, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Get this, it's the whole population. It's everyone watching the king's coronation. It's everyone involved. It's all of his subjects participate. They're all sitting on that throne and they're all receiving the anointing. I will pour out my spirit. On all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. He goes into great lengths to explain it on everyone, men and women, old and young, men servants and maid servants, not just important people, servants. Everybody is going to receive and the sign is going to be they will prophesy they will speak words from God. And he says this tongues that they're speaking is the fulfillment of this passage. They are speaking God's words because the Holy Spirit has been poured on them. Now you can imagine the crowd listening to this and trying to understand what's going on. And so Peter then explains from a few Old Testament scriptures how Jesus was crucified and he is the Messiah. And then in verse 30, he says, therefore, being a prophet, And known that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, David says. So he's explaining David's prophecies in the Old Testament, in the Psalms about the Messiah. He says David knew that one of his descendants would be the Messiah. And he said out of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. So he says what's happening now is the king is sitting on his throne and then in verse 32 he says this jesus god has raised up of which we are all witnesses we all saw him die and rose again therefore he's explaining what's happened therefore being exalted to the right hand of god And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. He says, Jesus, this Jesus, who many of you saw walking around in Jerusalem, he died. You knew he died. He rose again. Many of you knew about this, but now he is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, and this anointing of the Holy Spirit that the king gets when he becomes king he's poured this out on us wow this is amazing let me just finish this passage and then I'll share something with you for uh, David did not ascend into the heavens but he says himself the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He said, this shows, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit shows that Jesus has been anointed King of the universe with all things under His feet. Can I just share with you a quick story? I was 17 years old. I had been a Christian for only about six months, and I joined a tiny, small Christian group of young men at a boarding school where I was attending who would have Christian meetings and pray and sing worship songs. Only about eight of them. And I went to one of those meetings and I was worshiping and they were all praying in tongues and other languages. And I felt, wow, they must be close to God. They must be special people. And one of the young men said, does anyone want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I went forward. I was a little bit unsure whether I was going to be prayed for or I was going to help pray for others, but they prayed for me. They laid hands on me and prayed. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I started to speak in other languages. And it changed my life. Before that, the Bible was difficult to understand. After that, the Bible came alive to me. Before that, prayer was a bit of a chore. After that, I loved to talk to God. Before that, I was struggling with all sorts of issues in my life. After that, I was set free from bitterness and uh, bondage and all sorts of different things. God changed my life in that day. And on that day, what happened was I walked into the coronation room of Jesus. You see, this happened 2000 years ago, this day of Pentecost. But it is still available for anyone who wants it. Listen to what happened next in verse 32. Um, Sorry, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, when the people in the street heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? There must be something we must do in response to this. This is amazing news. Jesus has been crowned king and he's poured out his spirit. It's not just on him. It's on all his people. What should we do? Verse 38, Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So I just turn away from sin and I say, Lord, I'm yours. And I get baptized in water to show that I'm washed in my sins and I've buried and raised with him. And it says, he says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You mean it's not just for the kings and the prophets and the important ones and the, and the royalty. No, it's for all of us. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then just in case they weren't sure, in verse 39, he says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And my friend listening to me, Right now, in this modern day and age, this promise is for us. It's for you. You can walk into that coronation ceremony. You can climb on that throne with Jesus. Amazingly, you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to go into it in too much detail, but I'm just going to read to you Luke eleven eleven. Jesus said, If a son asks for bread, for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If a child asks a dad for bread, will his dad give him a stone? I don't think so. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No way. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. He won't give him something bad, but he will give him what he asks for. Verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Friends, listen to this. How much more, how much more than an earthly father's love for his child? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, this passage in Acts, um, Peter's explaining and in verse 38, he says you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit it's not something we earn it's not based on how long we've been a christian it's not based on us being an important christian it's everybody young and old men and women uh, men servants maid servants it doesn't matter who you are it's a gift number two it's a promise for the promise is to you and your children god made a promise and he keeps his promises and here we see in luke 11 How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the promise. It's a gift. You don't deserve it. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to believe in God and make him your father. It's a promise. But then thirdly, we must ask. He says to those who ask him. Ask. You just ask. You just say, heavenly father, thank you that you've forgiven me of my sins because of Jesus' death on the cross. I ask you for more of your Holy Spirit to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, why do I say more? Because when you are a believer, you have a bit of the Holy Spirit already in you. Romans 8 says that everyone who believes in Jesus has a bit of the Holy Spirit. But this is an extra. This is an outpouring. This is an infilling. This is a baptism. This is where you get so much of the Holy Spirit that it starts to overflow in words coming out of your mouth. So that's the first, it's a gift, it's a promise, we must ask. And then the fourth is we must speak. You know, the example in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it says, the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, Holy Spirit, rushing wind. And it says, uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's when you've asked, he says, yes, and you are filled, whether you feel anything or not, because he promised he would. It's by faith, not by feelings. They were filled and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I've got to speak. Let me just close with this. When Peter walked on the water, Jesus said to him, come. But Peter now had the power to walk, but he had to choose to move his leg muscles, to walk out of the boat onto the water. And he started to move. Friend, when you've asked and you've received the Spirit, you need to now start to speak in words or sounds that are not your native language. Just speak sounds and the Spirit gives you utterance. And then you start to speak in other languages. And the languages are not the main thing. It's the coronation. I'm now crowned and anointed and empowered with God. Please look on our website, leadinglightsnetwork.com. We have a, under the resources section on our menu, there's a page called the Holy Spirit, which will tell you everything you need to know about being filled with this beautiful Holy Spirit. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.